Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is a podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but we also examine other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. Now, we have a special guest with us today. This past October marked the 20th anniversary of his own experience being buried in a trench and since then has logged many frequent flyer miles promoting safe excavation practices and training. His talk is called The Buried Truth Uncovered, and it is my pleasure to introduce and welcome Eric Jagir to the podcast. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's, I'm excited to be here on the show and give me the opportunity to, to visit with you a little bit and share my story. So this past October marked the 20th anniversary of that harrowing experience. And for those who may not be familiar with the situation and what happened that day, can you explain what happened? Yeah, I was uh, a 27-year-old union laborer working in upstate New York. Uh, it was October 4th of 2002, and um, we were installing a 12-inch water main. And we got to one point where we were digging, and uh, we hit a, a small piece of drainage line. Uh, we busted a piece of drainage line open, realized that we had to repair it. Uh, the laborer I was working with, he went to go get a piece of pipe so we could make the repair. And I got down the bottom of the trench, a uh, six and a half foot unprotected trench, down on my knee to clean out around the piece of pipe so we could fix it. And uh, when I did, the trench caved in on me. Were there any conditions that would have suggested that you would have had some type of cave in that day and collapse that day? No, Rick, you know, it was just uh, like your average work day you know um it was just another day on the job uh typical upstate new york weather you know it was october it was starting to get a little bit cold uh it wasn't rainy it wasn't snowy um there was just a lot of things that that led up to the cave-in you know um we we were piling our spoils pile on the side of the bank we didn't have any safety equipment in there um, you know, I was a 27 year old bulletproof kid. I had a, I had a boss that had been doing that type of work for, you know, 30 years. And, and so the weather or nothing like that played a role in it. It really was just your average day of work. It just, uh, the situation was that we weren't doing things the right way, but, um, there was no weather influence. Um, you know, the groundwater, when we hit the, the drainage pipe that poured in the bottom of the trench, that might've had a little bit to do with it, but that was just a small contributing factor to the cave in all those other things also played a big role. What work were you there to actually perform? We were installing a 12 inch water main. Uh, we were putting a uh, water line in for a uh, local municipality. Um, when we started putting the uh, water line in, you know, we started digging four foot trenches and, and then the landscape started to change around us a little bit. And next, you know, we we're in four and a half foot trenches. And before you knew it, we were in five and a half foot trenches. And we just kind of took this, slow gradual change from doing it the, uh, the right way to doing it in an unsafe way and uh, but it was just your simple water line install what was your mindset about safety before the job well i didn't have a very good attitude towards safety you know i um i was kind of a farm kid you know you just got in there and you you did whatever you had to do to get the job done and um you know i just never really thought an accident was going to happen to me and you know, I kind of had that attitude. Like I said, I was a, a 27-year-old bulletproof kid. You know, my my attitude at the time was is, uh, if I pulled on something and it didn't move, I just pulled a little bit harder, you know. And um, when you take that kind of attitude towards safety and, you know, you, you don't think about the safety procedures and you don't want to follow the, you know, use the safety equipment. And then you have a, a boss who, who had been doing that type of work for 30 years and really, you know, when he was taught to do that type of work, he was taught to do it without that safety equipment. 
And uh, he kind of got comfortable doing it that way. And when you add those two things together, uh, it can be a recipe for disaster. And so the collapse happens. You're at the bottom of the trench. What immediately went through your mind? Uh, fear. Um, I mean, instant panic. Uh, so I was down on a knee in the bottom of that trench. I was cleaning out around both sides of that piece of pipe. And I figure probably, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 seconds or so after the other laborer left the trench, uh, that thing caved in on me. And um, it was instant. I mean, I had no time to run. I had no time to move. I had no time to get out of the way. You know, the only thing that I could do was, is I kind of caught some of the dirt coming in out of the corner of my eye. And I screamed, I flinched real fast and I let out one hell of a scream. You know, one, I was scared to death. And two, I didn't really know if anybody knew what had happened to me. You know, the guys on the machine were both looking the other opposite directions. The labor I was working with was on his way back to the truck. The My supervisor was down the road in the machine, but it was instant panic. And um, while I was down there, I mean, it was pitch black, you know. I, I couldn't see, I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. I was trapped. I was completely helpless. And I was kind of disoriented, you know. Like, I, I mean, every time I'd move the dirt, it just kept packing in tighter and tighter around me. And even if I could move, I couldn't try to dig myself out. I didn't know which way it was up. I didn't know which way it was down. You know, I, I, had, I had no idea. And um, I remember when I exhaled, the weight of the dirt, you know, they figured there was over 2,000 pounds of dirt on top of me. And they say it was like getting hit by a truck doing 70 miles an hour. And uh, I remember exhaling down there. And I remember that weight of that dirt just kind of settling down on my chest. And my breast got a little bit smaller. And I was trying not to take a deep breath. And eventually it got to a point where it kind of crushed my chest. And I couldn't inhale. I couldn't breathe. And I was suffocating. I was trapped. I was gasping for air, fighting for my life. And um, there came a point, you know, where... I kind of knew there was no way I was ever going to get out on my own. Um, I didn't really know if anyone was coming for me. And uh, there came a point down there where I realized that uh, I was going to die right there at the bottom of that trench. You know, I, I kind of realized that I was never going to make it out on my own. And uh, I wasn't going to get out and see my family again. I wasn't going to see my friends. And, and I was going to die right there. Uh, pretty scary. You know, I, I can't explain. It's been 20 years. And I, I try to explain to people what it was like down there at the bottom of that trench and what I was going through. And I just, I just can't really explain it to get people to understand what it was like down there. I can't imagine somebody actually being able to understand exactly what you were actually going through at that point. Yeah, it's a scary thing. And, you know, um, I guess that's one of the reasons why I kind of started doing this is because I, I, I don't really want anybody to ever have to understand what it was like to go through down there. And this is the whole point of, of, of this podcast and, and, and the show. And, and, but, um, you know, it was scary. And, um, you know, I, uh, when you realize that, you know, you're going to die and, and you're never going to see your family again, all of a sudden those things become way more important. You know, we take them for granted sometimes. And, and then you wish that you would have followed the safety procedures and you wish you would have, you know, got the training or done things the right way. But when you're down there in the bottom of that trench and the dirt's crushing the life out of you, you can't breathe. It's too late. You can't, you can't start over. You can't do it again. So. And now a word from our sponsor. In today's world, it is critical to have a partner that puts safety at the forefront, a partner who understands what you're up against, a partner you can count on to get you what you need when you need it. That's why United Rentals is here for you. Combining equipment, safety, experience, and data to help your team get the job done. 
United Rentals, here to help with the equipment and tools you need. To find a store nearest you, visit unitedrentals.com or call 1-800-U-R-RENTS. You mentioned the coworkers on site and you weren't sure whether they were going to actually be able to get to you in time. How many people were actually on site that day? We were kind of working with a small man crew. You know, this wasn't a really large project. Um, so it was a crew of two laborers, uh, one being myself. Uh, we had two machine operators and we had that superintendent. So it was, you know, really only a, a five man crew. And, um, you know, we were all pretty close. We all knew each other. We all used to joke around. Uh, the laborer I was working with that day, uh, him and I were really good friends. Um, to this day, we still live in the same town. We used to ride to work together. You know, his wife and my wife-to-be, every Thursday night, we'd go out for, for chicken wings and have a beer. And, and uh, we were a pretty, pretty, pretty tight crew, you know. Um, we were pretty good friends. and uh, But it was just a small-made crew. And so how did this accident affect your coworkers? It scared them as well, you know, and, and not only did it scare them, it put them in a, in a terrible situation. It put them in a, in a situation to have to make some really tough decisions. And, and, you know, that was one of the things that I, I think that I, I never really thought about when I was out there working and out there maybe taking these risks and taking these shortcuts was the situation that my actions could put my fellow coworkers into, you know, and um, nobody really saw that trench cave in on me. You know, the, the, the backhoe operator behind me, he was looking the opposite direction, backfilling the pieces we had just laid. Uh, the operator up in front of me, he was looking the opposite direction, digging for the next couple pieces of pipe we were going to put down on the ground. The labor that I was working with was on his way back to the truck to get a piece of pipe so we could make the repair. And at the time, my supervisor, he was down the road in the loader uh, getting us some stone. So when the trench caved in on me, nobody saw it happen. And nobody really knew exactly where I was at in that trench. We had a pretty big section of that trench opened up. And uh, luckily for me, you know, the laborer I was working with, he heard me scream. And I screamed out loud. And he came on over the side of that bank. And, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is um, they had to make a decision about my life that day. You know, I mean, they kind of knew that if they were to use shovels to try to dig all that dirt out, dirt out and try to figure out where I was at and find me, they were never going to get to me in time. It wasn't going to happen. But on the other hand, you know, they also knew that if they sunk the teeth of that bucket in the ground and try to take some of that dirt off, there's a really good chance that they could hit me with that bucket, kill me with that bucket. And, uh, you know, that's a really tough situation to put them in. It really had an effect on them. You know, that operator, he had to make a decision about my life. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, you know, I really don't know why. Um, I assume maybe probably just instinct, some sort of reaction, but, you know, luckily for me, that operator, he decided to do it. He took the first couple of feet of dirt off, didn't hit the machine. They grabbed shovels. They started to dig. And, uh, you know, it took them 10 minutes before they were able to get to me. Did the incident change your employer's approach to safety at all? Well, it did. Obviously, when there's an accident like this, a lot of times, you know, uh, OSHA comes out and there's a lot of investigations and, you know, why did this happen and what didn't you do and so on and so forth. So uh, OSHA came out. Uh, they did their investigation. They decided to give the company that I was working for some smaller violations, you know, no ladder, no trench, so on and so forth. And then they also gave them a, a lot of uh, other violations, you know, some willful violations. Um, the company, you know, they they complied. They, they paid their fines. They went back to work and uh, they finished the project. But because the company had so many violations on their record, 
they were really they were no longer considered a responsible contractor. And you know, nowadays with safety being so important, if you're not a responsible contractor, you don't have a good safety record. A lot of jobs, a lot of companies, they won't even let you bid on their jobs. And uh, if you can't bid on jobs and you can't get contracts, you can't make money, and uh, eventually, you know, you go out of business. And uh, that's what happened to the company I worked for. Uh, that accident caused them to go out of business. As far as my other coworkers go, the superintendent that I was working with, uh, they finished up the project. And after the project was over, he retired. Um, the back of operator, he left. And the last that I heard that he was working out of the union hall, teaching all the apprentices how to dig a safe trench. And the labor that I was working with is a uh, foreman superintendent slash kind of safety guy for a construction company here in upstate New York. So it just sort of changed all their lives um, when it came to their jobs. Um, I will tell you that that labor I was working with, him and I were really good friends. And, um, you know, to this day, we still live in the same town together. We live about three miles apart. Um, you know, we used to ride to work together every day. Like I said, his wife and my wife-to-be, we used to go out for chicken wings and have a beer. But after the accident happened, it kind of drove a wedge in between us, you know. And um, not because we were really mad at each other or, or, or anything like that. It's just that we didn't know what to say to each other, you know. I mean, Rick, what do you say to a what do you say to a guy that saved your life? You know, geez, pal, thanks. You know what I mean? And when I see those guys, I feel like I I owe them something I can't repay them. But when I see them, I feel guilty because I know that by going down there that day and doing what I did without that safety equipment, I know what I put them through. You know, they had to make a decision about my life with that machinery. They had to, you know, call my wife and tell them to think I was gonna make it. And when I see them, I feel terrible. And then likewise, on the other side. When they see me, I don't think they know what to say to me because they know about the the damage to my brain. I lost my house. My wife and I ended up getting divorced over this whole deal. And 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 I think they feel terrible because every single one of them knew what we were doing today was wrong. And um, not one of them spoke up and said something. So uh, when we see each other, it's just sort of, hey, and that's it. Um, I will tell you that that other labor and I, uh, we went about 15 years without talking. And then finally, we ran into each other. We decided to have a conversation. I learned a lot of things about the accident that day. And uh, now we do have a relationship. Uh, him and I are friends. It's not as easy as it was before. We have to work at it. Uh, we kind of live in a small town. So everybody around here kind of knows about the accident, what happened. So anytime we go somewhere, it never fails. Somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, you guys were involved in that accident that day. Or, um, But we do have a relationship and uh, we did just recently get together and we kind of filmed a small video that he wanted to do that kind of talks about his side of the story. You know, what it was like digging me out, uh, calling my wife, seeing me in the hospital, going back to the job site and starting right where we left off. So uh, it definitely had a huge effect on everybody in the crew that day. And I'm thinking that when you made that video with that laborer, that probably kind of maybe brought some closure to the whole thing for maybe both of you. It's two construction workers, two friends sitting there in a stool, and I just kind of ask him questions, and he talks about his experience that day. Um, it is kind of strange that you say that, though, because, um, you know, I never thanked him. And uh, when we filmed the video for the first time ever, I reached over and shook his hand at the end of the video, and I just thanked him for what he did for me that day. And so you're right. It did kind of take some, bring some closure. It did kind of... You know, you'll never put it behind you because you can never forget when an accident like that happens. But um, it kind of allows us to try to move on and, and, and you know, keep doing positive with this thing. 
This has been part one of my conversation with trench safety survivor, Eric Jagir. Should you have any questions about this topic or have suggestions about other topics that we can discuss, feel free to send an email to urtspodcast at ur.com. For training and content information, go to trenchsafetyevents.com. On behalf of Eric and myself, thanks for listening, stay safe, and be looking for part two of our conversation to be released very soon.